0: Nella, 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 abrupt climate change and the consequences for us and other living beings on our earth. No one should be alone in the greatest challenge of our time. Episode 2 about tipping points in climate change and personal life. Today I hold an interview with fabulous Jennifer Hines. Thanks to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube. Everybody knows turning points in their personal life. Suddenly the knot is untied and all seems to be changing. There are climate change tipping points too, sometimes points of no return. Our episode today is about personal and climate tipping points. My name is Wolfgang Warminghausen. This is the first German podcast on abrupt climate change leading to near-term human extinction. Okay, this is in English now, as good as I can speak English. I'm planning to produce alternating English and German episodes. The next one will be in German, so please share this with your German friends. Schneller als gedacht can be translated into faster than thought. Today I'm honored to present an interview with Jennifer Heinz. Because she grew up with a father who was a foreign service officer for the U.S. Department of State, Jennifer got to travel and see a lot and from an early age was exposed to many indigenous cultures. She lived with her parents in Laos, Asia, Ghana, West Africa and went on to international studies in French at the American College in Paris. She received her bachelor's degree in psychology at the University of California of San Diego, then followed a calling by seeking out advanced engineering training. She grew to become a senior IT professional with a specialization in large data migration. Jennifer's early exposure to world cultures combined with a close study of the developing world and current affairs led to her deep and abiding interest in Eastern spirituality. She is a long-time student of Tibetan Buddhism. Jennifer educated herself for more than 10 years to understand what's going on relating to climate change. From the Coraline Tipping Point Forum, she was asked in 2012 to develop a presentation about methane hydrate. From there, her first video, The Arctic Methane Monster's Rapid Rise, was born. She was caught by surprise when it spread viral. What should have been an update in 2015, her second presentation, Methane Monster 2, Demise of the Arctic, became an elaborate video project of 2 hours and 40 minutes. Professional government disaster specialist Nick Berg of ReliefAnalysis.com says Jennifer's series of videos are the most comprehensive and comprehensible complete overview of abrupt climate change available. I totally agree. The second video is also available in German language, translated by myself. More information you'll find in the show notes on my website, xwer.de, de. Please enjoy the interview. I'm so honored to have you on my podcast Schneller Als Gedacht today, Jennifer. We came in touch more than half a year ago when I decided to translate your great video presentation, Methane Monster 2. I try to focus on an outstanding quality of my interviewee. That is not so easy with a person with so many outstanding qualities like you. You call yourself a generalist? I think we have that in common, and I guess we... Having common to like situations where something is in motion, in flux and changing. So I had the idea to talk with you about tipping points. That are points from where changes are coming very quickly. Sometimes a catastrophic change, sometimes a positive outcome. I can remember that very well in times of divorce but as well and falling in love again, where the whole world looks totally different. Did you have these private tipping points with quick changes in your life too?
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's so nice to talk to you today, Wolfgang. Uh, Real pleasure and real honor to talk to you. And yeah, I think we all have tipping points that we experience in our lives. Personal tipping points, psychological tipping points, as you said, tipping points where you just fall in love and, you know, things just transpire. Once you go over a tipping point, your reality is different and it's never really the same again. And that is very much the way it is in, you know, these different climate change, um, psychological tipping points that we find ourselves in. You know, sometimes, you know, in the beginning, we say, oh, climate change, we've heard about this. You know, I guess it might be bad someday, but we don't really understand. And knowledge is a tipping point, too, because the more we study, the more we're curious. The curiosity drives more study, and then you can even get into obsession. But you get into a knowledge tipping point where you completely coalesce and connect the dots all together. And then all of a sudden, you have a crystallized Understanding, and that's a tipping point of sorts. That's a psychological tipping point. So you can find that these tipping points happen in the study of climate change because you can go from the point of not really thinking climate change is all that bad to really understanding the dire situation that we are in and you can have that um, backed by science. So science can provide to your psychological tipping point where you have a real understanding of the issue and it can drive other behaviors because knowledge, you know, once you understand something, then you're much more likely to actually act on it meaningfully and react to it um, that will change your life. So yes, indeed, tipping points, you know, really provide a lot of foundation with climate change.
0: Yes, uh, thinking about my own private uh, tipping points, um, that reminds me that uh, I like change, and um, not every change, uh, not every tipping point has a catastrophic outcome. Sometimes it's uh, like uh, falling in love. It's really a tipping point to everything is changing very fast. And uh, that I like to, to have in my mind when we are talking about the climate tipping points. Some years ago, I found a really good definition of tipping points of David Korowitz from the Irish Sustainability Institute FASTA, wrote in 2010 about tipping points. Despite the diversity of complex systems, from markets to ecosystems to crowd behavior, there are remarkable similarities. For most of the time, such systems are stable. However, many complex systems have critical thresholds called tipping points when the system shifts abruptly from one state to another. Despite the complexity of numbers of parameters with such systems, the meta state of the system may often be dependent on just one or two key state variables. We are particularly interested in the class of transitions called catastrophic bifurcations, where once the tipping point has been passed, a series of positive feedbacks drive the system to a contrasting state, unquote. Mm-hmm. That's a very good description of the climate disaster, I think.
1: It, it is. It is. And it's um, if we think back to the diagrams that Sam Carana has of, of the interlaced feedback systems, you know, I mean, everything... Aff- Affects everything else and everything in climate seems to be on the hockey stick, you know, the mm. phrase that has been coined by Michael Mann and, you know, so well utilized. And that is basically that we do not have. A steady state that we're progressing along we're actually on what's called a hockey stick or a polynomial trend line and what that means is that the changes are exponential and the changes tend to um, get faster and faster and more and more so for example the climate has changed a lot um, lately like in the last several years The change has been exponential as compared to like the last hundred years, you know. So we're finding that everything in climate is speeding up, and this is going to drive huge storms. So these tipping points will come in public consciousness, I think. And I think we're very close, actually. I know that you and I have said a lot of people are not concerned with climate change, you know, both in Germany and in the US. However, I think that people are going to need to contend with it because it's going to be driven by reality. The reality of abrupt climate change and the accompanying storms are eventually going to drive a tipping point in the public consciousness where people understand very clearly, oh, my goodness, climate change is upon us. And we are seeing storms like we have never seen before. And then at that point, once people begin to accept that, um, the psychological tipping point has been crossed. And it's kind of like common knowledge. And everybody will will be able to understand and share these ideas and talk about them logically rather than from a point of denial or, or anger.
0: Yes, I've... Found in this definition and statement of David Kuro, it's very interesting that he talked about one or two key variables in the climate change. Methane is the key yes. um, variable, I think, and CO2 as well. Yes. And they are making the, the change.
1: Yes, well, you know, methane, it's not evident so much yet and the thing is the 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 scary thing about methane is there's so much of it and that it defrosts like all ice you know when it gets above the freezing point which it's right on the freezing point right now um, it defrosts and a huge amount comes out so when that happens of course There's going to be a lot more heat, a lot more um, energy in the atmosphere and the atmospheric thermodynamics will take off even more. So I think methane, just because there's so much of it and when it comes out, it's going to be so dramatic. As it starts to come out more and more, they're going to see huge, huge changes in the atmosphere quickly.
0: You once uh, had your own tipping point with uh, this subject during a flight over Greenland. Do you like to tell that story?
1: Oh, absolutely. Sure. Be happy to. It was uh, actually in September of 2012, and my sister had one. Uh, sort of a lottery to go to the uh, Olympics. We had the opportunity to purchase some Olympic tickets um, that was being held in London that year, and she lives in London. So I went over, and we I was her Olympic ticket partner, and we went to the gymnastics, and we went to the closing ceremonies, and it was just fabulous. And after the close of the Olympics, I flew back to Denver, Colorado, straight, From um, Heathrow from London and the plane was directed on a much more northerly route than had been expected and we were not tracked to go over Greenland but in in essence we ended up going directly over the southern part of Greenland um, for many hours you know for a couple of hours and it was just startling because that year was the year when Greenland had 90 eight percent surface melt um it was a very warm year in 2012 in in September and I saw with my own eyes well first before I even saw Greenland it was just icebergs and I thought they there were so many of them I thought the seas were very rough but in fact the seas were not rough it was actually thousands of icebergs that had been disgorged from Greenland and Then when we actually flew over the island, it was, you know, the first thing you see from the eastern approach are these jagged, gray, savage mountains, and they were completely bare, and then glaciers were flowing around them like black rivers, you know, and then as we progressed into the country, the moulins and the ice rivers and the lakes were pervasive over the entire surface, and For me, that was a tipping point and it hit me at a deep emotional level as I had flown over Greenland, you know, a couple of times during my childhood in the 60s. And, you know, I just thought, my God, this thing is just melting down. It just looked like a melted ice cream cone. And it it was just a devastation. And it was at that moment I knew that Greenland was on an unstoppable meltdown. And I also already knew that Greenland had tied up within it something like seven meters of sea level rise inherent in the ice cap itself. So, I mean, that's a death sentence right there for every single global City, you know, depending on how long does it take for this ice to all melt out of Greenland, but the ice cap is melting uncontrollably. And once you take this on board on an emotional level, you're never the same again. So that was my tipping point flying over Greenland.
0: That reminds me of another tipping point or melting pot you had uh, this uh, teacup when you put. Hot water in it, you can see the rising sea level.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Was this a
0: melting pot for you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well it was a tipping point for me and I made it a tipping point for others as well because it was a quite shocking cup but you know you can you can get these cups um you know online somewhere i imagine but i had been into a novelty shop with my family and i had bought this cup that was covered it was a coffee cup you know like a mug and it was covered over with a film it had a a map on it and the film kind of um was opaque while the cup was cold but and it was a map of the world, an entire map of the world such as we know it today. And then when you put hot water in the cup, the cup actually uh, the film on top becomes transparent, and the underlying sea level um, map uh, emerges. And what you get to see is that vast swaths of land are just knocked away, and it shows what the coastline would look at if all of the ice within Antarctica. And all of the ice within Greenland melted. And I believe we have 70 meters and seven meters respectively within Antarctica and Greenland. So it was a shocker. And um, I used to take the this cup to, um, you know, different meetings. I had it at work and I would always show people, oh, look, and you know, if, if all of the ice in Antarctica and Greenland melt, this is going to be our new coastline. So it's kind of a shocker sort of thing. But I, I did you know, managed to get, you know, global warming into the conversation a lot more because of this cup.
0: Hmm. And now you more or less concentrate on methane and the melting Arctic. Why?
1: You know, I think I think at this point, you know, I'm I'm changing a little bit. I mean, methane is is definitely the driver of everything, but it's a symptom of the problem. I mean, this is the manifestation that we're going to see. We're going to see the methane coming out. I mean, there's so much methane hydrate, at least seven times as much methane hydrate is in the Arctic as in all the petroleum products, or it, it, I guess methane hydrate in the world, than all the petroleum products in the world. It's it's really, really startling. Plus the fact that methane is so much more powerful a greenhouse gas when it's initially emitted to the tune of 100 25 times greater so methane is a huge driver of climate in the future no question about it but everything in that i mean that's just the symptom of the problem the problem itself is us the problem is they're just too damn many of us and the problem itself is civilization especially the capitalist sort of civilization that we've put together and um so really it's it's this sort of work that I'm looking at um, a lot more closely now, just the drivers of civilization and how we got into this situation. I don't think there's any way out. I wish there was, but we just keep reproducing and propagating ourselves. And, you know, the civilization that we've created keeps getting stronger and emitting more and more carbon gases. So we're in the perfect catch 22 of no way out. So I feel like very much in the witness seat to watch all these things but we will see it coming out first in the methane i think
0: yes last christmas i think it was uh, that it has been raining in the arctic oh, my and goodness. this this was really a tipping point for me cause that's a strong hint that we are in another phase of uh, exponential growth I think. Oh, my
1: goodness. Absolutely. I mean, this needs to be front page news. I talked about this in the journey to New Zealand in the presentations there. But just in case anyone doesn't... um no, just like three months ago, you know, during like New Year's in the end of 2015 and going into 2016, this time period, there had been a very strong storm that was sweeping up along the British Isles, up through Iceland, up through Scandinavia, and it launched itself directly into the Arctic. And it was a warm storm, and it brought with it... All this warm air and it caused it to actually rain in the Arctic just a few days after the winter solstice. I mean, think of this. The Arctic is like... um In darkness, during the solstice, the winter solstice, in in winter, what is it, like 23 hours a day? How can it possibly be raining? This should set off alarm bells going off in our consciousness, and it's a very, very big deal that it it rained in the Arctic. It's never happened before. But again, you know, it rained again in the Arctic. It wasn't just a New Year's event. A couple of weeks later, there was another storm, and it rained in the Arctic. But, you know, weather in the Arctic is not true. It's not part of the public consciousness. And I'm hoping, you know, through all the efforts of activism and, and you know, the word getting out there, that the news organizations can start to track these types of things and give us news and weather in the Arctic. That would be very helpful.
0: The next tipping point, Blue Sea event, maybe this year or in a few years, we'll see an ice-free Arctic. What does that mean?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, the Blue Sea event is something I'm not looking forward to. I hope we can, you know, I hope it holds off as long as possible. But, you know, the ice in the Arctic is pulling away and it's pulled it's pulled back pretty significantly on a permanent sort of level from Svalbard and over by Scandinavia over by Norway and what they're seeing as a result because there're huge methane deposits over in Scandinavia in the ocean and over by Svalbard in the Arctic Ocean and what they're seeing now is this ice has more or less permanently pulled back and it's not reforming in the same way it used to well the methane underneath the stores are starting to thaw out and consequently the methane levels up in the Svalbard area and in the Scandinavian area are extremely high and you know this is going to cause a lot of heat and a lot of heat is going to go into the atmosphere because of it. So that much they've seen, the methane levels are off the hook. Now, as this the ice begins to pull back more and more, let's say the ice pulls back in the Laptive Sea and, you know, kind of veering into more of the North Pole. Well, you've got huge methane deposits, methane hydrate deposits frozen for millennia upon millennia, and they're going to receive something like 23 uh hours of sunlight, you know, almost a full days of, you know, we have 24 hours in the day, they'll get 23 hours of sunlight in the summertime. And that will be pounding on a dark blue sea and warming up those methane deposits. So once we have a blue sea event in the Arctic and, you know, It's going to be interesting to see what defines blue sea. It's going to be kind of like mushy up there for a while. The ice is in very, very bad shape. So it may be like, you know, blue sea plus mush, but it's going to cause the methane deposits to thaw out because the blue sea is going to absorb a lot of the sun's energy instead of bouncing it back. And consequently, the methane is going to thaw, and it's going to come up, and it's going to cause a lot of heat. And it's going to cause even stronger storms to start circulating around the Earth.
0: And then the global temperature is skyrocketing. The habitat for plants, animals and humans will disappear. And our end is approaching. Do you accept that this could come very fast soon?
1: Um, I do intellectually. It's really still very difficult for me to take this on board. Mm. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, I love life like everybody else. And I, I, I tend to think like everybody else that my tomorrows will be like my todays be just because today is today. Tomorrow should be the same. And I'm like every other human. I think that and I, I treasure my own life. And, you know, I don't want anything bad to happen to to that or to the earth but i think that just the way things exponentiate and the way we are entering into this so fast and so hard and that we have not only not made any progress through um our carbon emissions we haven't decreased them at all we've actually increased them and it's there is no way out. So I intellectually understand that this is going to happen, but I think deep inside on an emotional level, I can't contend with it either. It's too grim. But I do understand intellectually what's happening, and I understand that our, our climate is exponentiating out of control and that we will see storms that you know we can't even imagine due to accelerating climate change.
0: I've translated the Monster 2 into German, and I did this while my mother was dying in October last year. In November, I had the great opportunity to join a grieving ritual with the great Zobonfusome, an African shaman and ritual expert. On Facebook, I have a very close and supportive group around Drew. All this has been a tipping point or a tipping range for me and it leads me to what I'm doing now coming out with this stuff support is very important to deal with it
1: Yeah what you supports know- you Ah oh, what supports me well, you know, I, a lot of different things support me, but you know, people in my life support me. I, it's, it's really important to be able to talk to people about these things. Now, one thing I was going to say is that there are so many people coming up with these podcasts. You've got these podcast channels and there are a lot of different people who are coming up with individual podcasts. And I think it's beautiful because Everybody is going to be able to speak their mind and start to delve into this. And this is part of a society. You know, you and I are talking. So we formed community. Even you're in Europe and I'm in the U.S. But, you know, through the miracle of, you know, Skype and technology, we've been able to form community, community of understanding souls, you know, people who understand these issues and are willing to look at it is so, so, so very important. And that can take a variety of forms. I mean, it can be physical, like you can have people around you in your environment, you know, physically, you can also have an online and virtual community, which is also just as valid, you get a lot of emotional support through trying to process this, these ideas with others. So I would say, Community supports me, and also just going out into nature and enjoying the beauties of nature such as they are still here. That also supports me.
0: Uh, thank you so much. Time is over. I had some other questions, but maybe we have the opportunity to uh, have an interview some month again.
1: Absolutely, Wolfgang. It would be a pleasure to talk with you again. And, you know, once we enter into this process of accepting near-term human extinction, it is a process that begins and it never really ends for the rest of your life. And everybody listening to this podcast will be contending with these same things. So I'd just like to leave people with one thought. If you can pick up a book by a Norwegian psycho-ecopsychologist called Um, Well, his name is Per Epson Stocknays, and he has written some really good books about how to psychologically contend with abrupt climate change in these times.
0: Oh, thank you. And thank you very much for this interview.
1: (laughs) Thank you so much, Wolfgang. It's been a true pleasure talking with you today. Best of luck to you.
0: Schneller Schneller. als gedacht. Many thanks to Jennifer Heinz for her interview, to David Korn and Lisa White for their professional support, to Laura Upshaw for African Drum Dance on YouTube. The next episode will be in German. I will talk with David Krüger from Hamburg about how we came to abrupt climate change and near-term human extinction.